0: So, I just would talk, 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 like literally sit at coffee shops with women one on one and map out their dieting history and explain to them how this is impacting their metabolism. So, when I made the move to Florida, that was when I was like, what if I could put this into some sort of like a package?
1: Welcome to the Passion to Brand podcast, where we have real conversations with real people who have turned their passions to digital brands. I'm Brett.
2: And I'm Logan. On today's episode, how Corey Malloy turned her passion for metabolic health into the well known digital brand Corey Malloy.
1: How we got connected with Corey is such a unique story and really shows the power of the digital world. Corey and I actually connected late in season one of the podcast and knew immediately that her story needed to be shared with the world. Midway through season two, Logan mentioned that she had actually found a new podcast that she absolutely loved called Freely Rooted which is all about restoring metabolism and was actually co-hosted by Corey. I mentioned to Logan that Corey and I connected earlier this year and that we were gonna hear more of her story. Thus is the ongoing story of how small the digital world really is. Needless to say, we were both super excited to hear her full story and learn more about her passion for metabolic health.
0: So I was born in a small town in Texas. It's probably like an hour and a half hour 45 outside of Houston, kind of like Southwest of Houston. And I was homeschooled and yeah, my mom was really crunchy for her age, crunchy, just meaning like maybe holistic or granola, whatever the word is that you want to use. So she was like a home birther, and, you know, obviously breastfed. And then she decided she wanted to homeschool us. And I feel like that gave us a really unique outlook on life. Number one, because you're not kind of going through the motions of maybe, you know, this is what you do and this is the system that you're raised in and everyone thinks the same and you're kind of under like a universal umbrella of, you know, school is school. You don't you don't really control like what is is being brought into your mind as far as like, you know, even like history and I don't know, just like the outlook of the world. And so homeschooling gave us this opportunity to number one, be outside a lot. We yeah, do a lot of like nature schooling and just traveling a lot. And number two, just be able to be a little bit more like interest led learning focused. So mm-hmm. like what we're actually interested in is what we can dive into. And I actually specifically remember when I went to school for the first time, but I was a freshman in high school. And I specifically remember feeling like I was kind of being not like you know, on purpose, but I felt like I was like dumbing myself down to be in this like very cookie cutter, like system when I just wanted to learn about what I wanted to learn about, you know what I mean? And so,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, just really enjoyed the homeschooling experience. It's inspired me to repeat that for my own kids one day. But I would say like one of my core favorite memories from that was, I think I was 10 or 11 and myself and my brothers were interested in like history and like the history of America. We basically were just like, all right, we're gonna go there. So we bought an Mm -hmm. RV and we lived out of an R V for a few months. And my mom took us by ourselves over like we basically like split the United States in half and then went in every single state on the eastern side, on the you know right hand side. And essentially just like watched history come alive and were able to like actually walk in the places in which we were learning. And I think just having that like what I would call life schooling experience was really influential on me to be able to just kind of think outside of the box and really have a lot of creativity in what I did as I moved forward. And yeah, just also like, see things a little bit different, see the world a little bit different than maybe I would be if I was like raised, you know, maybe from day one in the, in the school system, not that anything's For wrong sure. with that. It just like, wasn't, it wasn't going to yeah. fly with like, like my, my personality maybe.
2: Yeah. And I feel that 100% cause I was homeschooled too. <laughs> so
0: yes. like, yeah, I was homeschooled.
2: Let's see. My mom brought me home. I think it was fifth grade. And it was the same exact thing. Like so many hands-on, you know, activities. She went to homeschool conventions and got like really cool curriculum where we did, okay, let's learn about Egypt and dive into Egypt and like actually eat the food that they ate. And like, let's do this art project mosaics. And then we had the Greek Olympics with another family that we homeschooled with. And so I won the archery (laughs) contest. (laughs) So that was fun. But yeah, I totally like, I they gave me the option to freshman year. Do you want to go to public school? Do you want to still be homeschooled? And I remember I went to shadow a friend of mine and I was like, this is not <laughs> for me. Like I just, <laughs> yeah. Kids were like on their at that time, like game boys and like their flip phones. And I'm like, what are you, what are you even doing? So mm-hmm. yeah, I feel that for sure. Yeah. Did you have any siblings growing up or were you all homeschooled? I-
0: Yes, I did. It was my older and then my younger brother and we actually all started going to school at the same time. So whenever I was a freshman, we had like a two year gap in between each of us. So it was like, you know, my brother was a junior and then my, my younger brother was, what what would that be like seventh or sixth grade? So yeah, we, I had two brothers and we truly did everything together, like up until that moment that we started going to school. And, like, yeah, we still carpooled, but like we weren't integrated into each other's lives in the same mm. way in the school system. You're more like with your quote unquote peers. Right. And, you know, as being when I was homeschooled, even with like co ops and obviously like families that we would travel with to different countries as we studied history, like, you're always with your family. And, yeah. um, That was a really that was really important to me when I'm looking back on that of just like, wow, we really my parents like really set out to keep the family unit like very tight knit and strong. And you could see that as an impact as we got older and just like the way that we interacted with the world as we as we move forward.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure like going through life looking back, it's like you might be in different places than your siblings, but it does create that like tight, close knit relationship that is really Mm -hmm. so special. Like, I love that. I love that aspect of being homeschooled and stuff. So growing up, going through middle school, high school, did you have any activities or sports or things that you were really passionate about or thought that you wanted to do when you got older?
0: It's interesting to see like what profession I got into in college and then beyond, because Right out of actually, when I was twelve, I remember I developed just like a fascination with physiology and like especially like muscular um shin and form. And I remember, I don't know if you guys remember this, but like in commercial gyms, age twelve is like the moment that you're about to you're like you're you're allowed to go like work out in like the big kid room. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. So like that I remember being like really exciting, like this like rite of passage in my life when I can go actually, you know, be in this room where I can just like really refine that interest and skill. And I got really into weightlifting, like literally at that age, but yeah, middle school, high school, very into sports. I was doing two sports year round. So swimming and golf were year round and then track was seasonal. But so that was a lot of hours, like an an absurd amount of hours, actually, that my body would just went through it, to be honest. Um, Mm -hmm. And looking back, I've heard I'm like, swimming
2: wow. is so hard. Like <laughs> I had friends, oh. I would go swim practice and they'd be like, I, yeah, I just vomited like twice this morning. It's fine.
0: <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and it's almost like, I mean, I, I even remember like, you know, aside from swimming, like even like my first day of track practice, it being, you know, an hour and a half of like, how much can we just absolutely like murder these people's bodies? Like it, it's almost yeah. like, a, almost like a, a sick game at that point. I think a lot of people's high school sport experiences can be kind of like that, but swimming was astronomically hard on the body. It really need you really need like a lot of support. And I think pretty much everyone that I swam with had pretty severe PMS, pretty severe thyroid issues, like very symptomatic, Mm. especially during like the key swim season. And so it just makes so much sense. You're exposed to so much chlorine and then you have the intense, vigorous activity on top of that for hours at a time. A a typical swim practice is at least two hours. And so, and you're just moving that entire time. So yeah, it was a lot. Uh, However, I really did enjoy it. There is a camaraderie about you know sports that it is amazing but my dad actually really wanted me to play golf professionally and so golf if if we were going to pick any sport that actually is the one that i probably excelled the most in wow um, cool which is really random and I'm, i look back and i'm like who was that that was <laughs> I, don't, I don't associate myself with that person at all anymore but my granddad all the men in my family play golf and my granddad was my coach my high school coach actually i started playing golf competitively when i was seven And he was my coach then. So him and my dad both taught me how to play golf. There was a lot of family. I mean, they they would own it if I, if I sat with them and talked to them about it now, Of just like you guys, like there was a lot of pressure on me with golf. And so I, I did as a result, eventually absolutely hate it. I mean, Uh, yeah, despised it because golf required hours of my day, every single, every single day. And then being expected to, of course, like excel academically on top of that is just a lot. High school is just a lot. And so Mm -hmm. my parents had an agreement with me that I would play until I was 18 and I I could be totally done with it. But I think my dad was really hoping that I would somehow develop the interest back so I could go, you know, pay for my college that way. And he just had some like serious aspirations for me as a female golfer and I'm, I'm a lefty. And so there was a uniqueness with female left-handed golfer that he was just like, Oh my gosh, there's so much potential here. <laughs> to <be> big, yeah. <laughs> yes. So yeah, as a freshman, I was, I got second in state as a freshman in, in Texas. And then oh, like wow. after nice. that, I think, I think my parent, my, they were just like, Whoa, like this is going to be good. This is going to be good. And then it, I just went downhill after that, as far as my interest in it. And which, you know, looking back, it's so clear. You can see it. Like if a, mm. if a person is not, intrinsically motivated to do something, they're eventually going to almost like develop like a resentment towards the sport. If there's a mm-hmm. lot of, you know, exactly. pressure on them. So that's kind of where it landed me, but go ahead.
1: I'm, I'm curious, Corey, cause I, I played tennis and well, I guess growing up and then I played in college as well. And it's a, obviously a very individualistic sport, similar to golf. There's a lot that I despise. I mean, similar story. You're talking, I'm like preach yeah. to, the, you know, you're preaching to the choir here. It was just like, just drilled into me. However, When I look back on those experiences, I do see a lot of benefit that I've learned from those sports, just in in terms of like discipline, you know, grinding it out. You don't have a team when you're by yourself, you know, it's a similar thing with golf. Was there anything that you think you've learned from being a golfer that maybe has played in today for you?
0: I mean, to be honest, yeah, a lot of things, to be honest, I, I actually stayed in the golf industry as I graduated high school. So in college, that's how I paid for college one of the avenues was through my job at a golf course in college for my like university and so mm. networking oh my gosh mm, like, true yeah i mean even as a child like you're talking the whole entire time it's fun if you want to make it fun golf is fun like i just as a child was just going through se- severe rebellion <laughs> whenever yeah. i was like oh i hate this sport but i like number one, the time that I had with my granddad was just like so special. And I'll always have that memory. Number mm-hmm. two, just everything you learn from a sport like that and being able to like go through, golf is a mental sport as, mm-hmm. as I'm mm-hmm. sure. yeah. tennis is actually too. I think actually yeah. tennis and golf are very similar in that, in that way. It's not mm-hmm. so much technical once you develop the skill, it is actually mental. And so Fair, yeah. for golf, to be able to get to a place where you can, you know, let's say you have a bad shot, like being able to actually overcome that mentally and not let that ruin your entire game because you'll watch mm-hmm. yourself go downhill. If you, it's it's such a life lesson. Like if you keep yourself in those, my brother and I would call them like low vibes. Like if you keep yourself in that state of like, man, I'm so, it's, it's all like self-talk. Like if yeah. you have negative self-talk after you make one bad shot, you won't recover from that. Like you have mm-hmm. to actually choose to spin it positively and stay in a, you know, positive mental state in order to like uplevel yourself, like back up. And then, yeah, the networking piece has been, has been huge. Whenever I was working at the golf course in college, that's where I was getting connected to everyone as far as like my future jobs, my future internships. Mm. It's very like the football coaches over at AM or I went to Texas AM and the football coaches all were members there. And so mm. I get to talk to the football coaches all the time. My career was in strength and conditioning and sports performance. So I just, I mm. getting to make those connections was key. Cool. And that's kind of what my dad was seeing was like, you could work any job, and if you yeah. have a golf skill and are able to take a client out, like you're, yeah, you're golden. And so, yeah. yeah, I, there were a lot of key pieces that, that were pretty transformative as far as my golf experience. And now I can just play it, you know, for fun and for leisure with my husband or, or with friends. I have not played in forever. I don't even have clubs here on the Island, but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Despised it that much, huh? They're like, I'm yeah. leaving these clubs at home. <laughs>
0: it's, so, it's funny if you, I mean, I feel like you could talk with like anyone who has ever gone through a season of despising a sport. Like they could tell you how many days it's been since they've even touched that like club or bat or racket or whatever, because Mm -hmm. they just that sense of like, just, I don't know, rebellion for a little while. Yeah. But yeah, it was overall, I'm actually, I'm really, really glad that I had that experience. That's
1: awesome. That's awesome. So what was next? Like what came after college? I mean, did you land a job, you know, through that, you know, one of those networking events?
0: Yeah. So college was a lot of fun. I changed my major, to be honest, four different times. I actually failed out of college. And then as a freshman, I got mono and then strep throat. And it was, there's maybe a few of you listening have gone through a route like this in college, but depending on your university, you know, they have different rules and for Texas A&M, like it didn't matter if you were in the hospital dying. Like if you missed a test, you missed a test. And there were, I think you had three grace periods as far as like, you know, being able to like miss and make up for it. But even then you have to make up for it within like 24 to 48 hours. So I ended up failing. I maybe two or three classes as a result of that failed Mm -hmm. out of my college, got back into my college, which was impossible. And just showed me that like, this was where I was meant to be, but I just like worked my butt off. And so yeah, I worked hard in college, got myself back into college. Then I changed my major a bunch of times. And just like college was an incredible experience for me, very immersive. I graduated with 67 people in my private school. And after being homeschooled and then going to a private school, I was just like so ready to use the world as my oyster and just like really like figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And so I joined a bunch of different Clubs and like club teams did a lot of like flag football and I did competitive wakeboarding for for AM on their on their club team. And so just a really wide range of people that I was interacting with. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, between them and then like the flag football and then the job at the golf course and networking, just I was constantly surrounded by athletics and people that you know, are very interested in sports conditioning, which was my, which was my major. And yeah, I just kept networking and networking and networking, landed several internships. And then beyond college, I graduated. The last internship that I did was my senior year the summer before I graduated and it was in Houston and it was for a sports performance clinic. Mm -hmm. Do you know, actually, I wonder, Brett, if you know who, Mickey, oh my gosh, what's his name? Shilstone? Do you know that name?
1: Doesn't sound familiar. What What? What? What was the connection?
0: He trained Venus and Serena Williams. Oh, oh. wow. Wow.
1: I don't know that name, but now I feel like I should. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, I wonder don't feel like if a I'm, tennis player.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wonder if I'm like butchering the name, but he was like the performance coach for them. And basically my boss trained underneath him. He was his, his oh, apprentice. Wow. And then we wow. had to we got to basically be his apprentices after that. And he took like a really unique approach to sports performance where it wasn't just like performance. It was like fascia and function. And anyway, so I ended up working at that job as a sports performance coach for collegiate and professional athletes. And that was in Houston. If you're in your off season, you go fly and like live in Houston during your off season. And then, so that was obviously like an incredible experience meeting people, and then that was basically the last job that I had before moving to Florida.
1: Oh, nice. Okay. What, what an opportunity. I mean, how yeah. cool. I mean, that, I'm sure you probably learned a lot from your major now actually getting to see it firsthand. Was that something that like, did you think that you had found your passion? Like, was that like you thought you had found it all? And this is what you're going to do forever.
0: That's, that's actually exactly how I felt. I was like, I've landed my dream job at age <laughs> you know, 22, I was like, this is insane. Like people work for, you know, years and years and years and years to get to a place where I somehow landed like after college, I felt very, very, very blessed to have that job.
1: Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, that's a lot of, I mean, so many people, you know, graduate from their college. And I mean, honestly, a lot of people that we have on the show, that's the common story is we went to college. We had this degree, we went and pursued this employment that we thought we wanted to do. And it left us feeling hopeless. And then we've decided to really pursue that passion. So that's really interesting that here you graduated and it was like, man, like that I've, I found it. So what was the transition for you? We obviously know that you're in a very different place yeah. now. So I'm <laughs> curious, like you found that position, what made you decide, you know, I'm going to stop working for someone else and kind of do my own thing.
0: Yeah. So I got sick, is what happened. I got endometriosis during my first year. I guess it was my, yeah, the, probably like the second half of the year. Ended up just getting like just completely regressing into so many different symptoms, so much dysfunction. And essentially, like my understanding of it now is so different than my understanding at the time. At the time, I was like, what is happening? My body's falling apart. But now I'm looking back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was working such a masculine job. I was just go, 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 like so burned out at that, at that job, which again, like most incredible job, I have the utmost respect for my, for my boss, my mentor, that whole experience. But yeah, I, it was basically like me and working with a bunch of men. It was just like such a masculine job for a female to be working and expect that her body can somehow mm. somehow like thrive in that environment. And I've evolved so much since then and realized that a huge part of it was a major disconnection to my femininity at the time. I just like was not I did not feel connected to women and I felt way more comfortable around men. that was just my normal. Maybe you know the time I was just thinking, oh, it's probably just because I grew up with brothers but it was so much deeper than that. It had a lot to do with my relationship with my mom. And so, yeah, as far as the transition, the first thing that happened was I got sick. And then we ended up moving to Florida actually like right around that time. So it was the perfect cutoff for me to quit that job. And I ended up healing from endometriosis in Florida, mm. but I did. I still did not have the awareness at the time in Houston that like my illness had anything to do with my environment or my job or like, anything like that. But that was the first step in, in that transition.
2: Wow. So when you left Houston, you quit that job and you moved to Florida. What were you doing in Florida?
0: So in Florida, I decided that, Oh, you know what? Let me back up. So whenever I was in Houston, I was getting to know a lot of the wives of the players or the girlfriends of the players or people in church, just like anyone that I was surrounded by in Houston that was a female Mm-hmm. Was going through like really severe dieting and almost like OCD disordered eating tendencies and had like a really, really thick history with diet culture and just like restricted dieting. And so this kind of piqued my interest as far as like how like how prevalent is this among women? Like I myself had never been on a diet only because a lot of my life was performance-based and I needed to eat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah out of necessity, I had never been on a diet, but I've obviously watched my mom go through diets. I, I knew that it was around us. I just wasn't sure like how much it was happening. And so just for free, I would like kind of very unofficially, very unofficially <laughs> counsel people. I don't even like to use that word, but just like sit and talk with women about like, okay, like how did we get here? Like, how did we yeah. get to where you're at right now? And that started to like really pique my interest as far as like that topic. But I swore off at the time that I would ever work with women, because again, I was just Mm. very disconnected to women and in relationships with women. It felt very unsafe to me Mm. just because of my own childhood experiences. And so it's so interesting that like I went from a like all male, like professional career to like complete 180 to all women now yeah. and it just shows that like so much of my heart had to heal to be honest and so yeah I it was piquing my interest and I had always had a really big fascination with metabolic health ever since I think it was 2013 when I discovered this guy named Dr. Lane Norton do you know that name
2: mm-hmm. I've heard of him I think from your podcast <laughs> have you talked America? about him on your podcast yeah I don't know if it's been on the Maybe. podcast I think
0: I- I talked about him on my Instagram before, but he's like a, he's like a bodybuilding powerlifting. Like he's in like the oh, fitness, okay. but he's always been this voice for metabolic health and not necessarily like what I do right now, as far as metabolic health, but just the idea of like, Hey, if you overexercise and if you don't eat enough, you will send your body into like what you can call a controlled famine. And when you're in a famine, your metabolic rate will decrease. And when it decreases you have more of a susceptibility to gain weight if you end up like, you know, binging on the weekend or whatever. And so Mm -hmm. that idea in general, I always had a fascination with, and this is what I would sit and talk to these women about is like, Hey, the reason you're having such a hard time losing weight right now is because you, this is your ninth diet that you've been on and you're metabolic rate has adapted to that. And so this is why you're having a hard time keeping that weight off. This is why you keep gaining it, gaining it back. And so all I knew is that I had an interest in that topic. I was always studying it on the side, not knowing like what to do with that information, except for just talk to people about it. So I just would talk, 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 like
1: literally sit
0: at at coffee shops with women one-on-one and just like talk for three hours and like map out their dieting history and just like explain to them, you know, how how this is impacting their metabolism. So anyways, when I made the move to Florida, that was when I was like, what if I could put this into some sort of like a packet? And that was, so I was healing from endometriosis at the same time. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm, I'm learning a lot about holistic health. I'm learning a lot about healing. I'm learning a lot about like how much our food impacts, how our bodies are able to thrive. And so that's when I started putting into a package and really working with people just on like macronutrients and making sure that they're eating enough. And I launched my first business in, I think that was like 2017 when I launched my first business, and that was like super low key. I almost like, I was just so weird with money back then too. I was like, I mean, you could pay me or not. Like I don't know, like you know, (laughs) (laughs) like like, I'm just happy to help people. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Like I would, I would sit on the phone with people for hours. I, I obviously (laughs) had the passion there and just did not know how to like express boundaries at that point and uh, and just had no structure for like how i wanted to actually put the information out there i ended up revamping my business in i think it was like 2019 and started getting a lot more serious about like the packages that i offered people so that's when i was doing like a lot more of the whole picture of metabolic wellness and i was only working with people one-on-one at that point point. Mm. and then keep in mind Throughout all of this is whenever I had this like incredible healing experience, not only for my body with endometriosis, it was just amazing for that transformation to happen. And like, you know, for me to actually desire to pour into the women around me and people that I don't know people online. And so, yeah, I, that was what started just the one-on-one coaching. And I saw insane results in those women and I did not advertise it. I didn't put it on social media really. I think I made one post like back in 2018 and Mm. that was it. Other than that, it was just word of mouth. So like, you know, somebody would work with me and then tell her three friends, those three friends would sign up. They would tell their friends and like, yeah, that's basically how we rolled. And then aside from that, I would do a lot of seminars. So I would put on these events called nourish and I would go to churches or Bible studies or like whoever would want to host. I did a couple of wedding venues where like we like set up like a banquet style basically and just like really pampered those women. And I would just speak to them about dieting and metabolic health and wellness. And that's essentially what I was doing in Florida, but nothing was scalable at that moment, like at that, at that time Yeah. and nothing was sustainable about what I was doing either. It was <laughs> a lot of like work and yeah a lot of hours. And like I said, I hadn't scaled. I hadn't, I didn't even know like what that was at the time. All I knew was I was just like, this information has to get out here. And like, whoever comes to me, I'm going to just like work with them. And so that's basically how I started that. And that was, like I said, that was probably back in 2018 and lasted until I moved to Maui in 2020, I think. And so that was probably two That was, I don't even know. It was like three years of doing that with a year of the last business before then. So in total, it was almost four years of one-on-one coaching.
2: Wow. So that was all like in-person or phone calls. Like there was nothing that you were putting out digitally yet.
0: So it was all digital. As far as the coaching, it was digital and it was phone calls, but, but I was not advertising. And I had, I had a website, but it wasn't even like, it wasn't even like attached to my Instagram because I didn't want it's hard to even explain. It was just like, I knew this information was so like life-changing and yeah. I was not ready at that point to like put out the word because I knew I couldn't handle the growth at that point. I was, you know, a mom of a baby and I was only working during his naps. And so I would just have, you know, if a client wanted to sign up, I had a wait list. And so mm. I didn't want at that point. Yeah. I wasn't ready for the growth at that point. Cause I had no idea what to do with these women. If they we're ready to start like right now, you know, and I can't actually take them on as a client. And yeah. so, yeah, that was my dilemma at the time.
2: So when you made the switch, cause we know, I mean, we found you through Instagram and Brett had reached out to you and now you are like, Oh my gosh, I grew up with, you know, my mom went to co-ops and we got farm fresh eggs and like raw milk. And actually Brett tried raw milk for the very first time two nights ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. which is very exciting because he always was like, eh, like raw milk. And then now I'm like, yes, we're on board. <laughs> but yeah, we found you on Instagram. So when did you make that jump to put it on a digital platform and really scale your business?
0: Yes. So it, it was in a really, really indirect way. Actually, I moved to Maui and my son had been re- recently diagnosed with a lip tie. I don't know if you know what, what that is, but it's like a, like dentist will diagnose it and then like laser release it. And I had, he had been diagnosed with one. And I was like, I, my gut was saying like, don't do the release. And then I got connected with this woman named Michelle Chatham and she was able to work on my son, but she offered me first, like, Hey, let's, why don't you go through my course? So her course was called power to change. And it's a mentorship program. And it's essentially like, a course in a program, it was like 12 weeks, I think, where you are essentially laying the foundation to be what she calls fully charged. And when you're fully charged, you are like flowing with creativity. And so what happens is people go through her mentorship and then end up creating a product. It's really interesting. Mm. And so I signed up just to learn more about my son and then she ended up, you know, working on my child, but indirectly, like I take this course and I'm like, in in the first five minutes of the course, I realized, oh my gosh, I do not enjoy what I'm doing right now. And it's actually a drain to my body because I don't enjoy like answering emails. I adored my clients and yet I was drained by the experience of one-on-one coaching. And I was like, what do I do? Because this needs to be out there. Like I just felt such a strong conviction in my heart that like it needed to be out there. And so I had no idea what was coming, but essentially at the end of the Power to Change mentorship, I was like, I'm gonna create a course. And I'm going to keep, keep putting this information out there, but I'm going to scale it. I'm going to work really, yeah. really hard one time and put that into a course one time and essentially move everything from my one-on-one coaching into a course. So people wouldn't need me beyond that. Cause at first I was like, maybe I'll do it as like a prerequisite to work with me. But then I realized mm-hmm. I don't want to work one-on-one with people at all. I just want, yeah. if I do my job right in my course, people won't need me because they will know like they are their own best expert on their own body and they can help troubleshoot their own body as they move forward. And so anyways, I remember posting on my Instagram shortly after finishing her course. And I was like, does anybody know any kind of course creator coaches? And I got the suggestion to check out Rebel Nutrition's page. I go to her page and I literally bought her course that day. I think it was I don't even know how much it was at the time, maybe $1,600 or $1,400. I think I got it on sale because she had a sale going like at that, at that day. Hmm. But I remember messaging her and saying like, Hey, Amy, just bought your course. And I like specifically was like, I already know that your course is going to completely change like everything for our family, everything for our lives, you know, thank you for what you do. So it's, it's interesting that like, I was able to even have the conviction then like that I knew that something was about to obviously change hugely for my family. And so I wrapped up my course with Michelle and then that's when I immediately started writing my Freely Reader course. And so for the next six months is whenever I built out my, it's a, you know, self-paced, it's eight modules. And it's basically, like I said, just putting all the one on coaching into a course. And I launched it in December of 2020. And so it's been out for I guess like a year and a half at this point. Wow. And I mean, yeah, it is a hundred percent changed. My husband was able to quit his job. Like he runs my business now. Like we're both able to be at home. It's just changed. Like literally not only are everything for us, but it's, it's been able to offer this information to way more women than I imagine being able to get it to. And so that's yeah. more impactful for me is like, I this can actually get to people without it actually directly needing to require my time to do so. Right. That's
1: awesome. That's so cool. So how does it feel having your husband work for you? (laughs) Just kidding.
0: So you know what's funny is I am, I mean, I don't know if I come off as responsible or organized. I hope I don't because that would be a complete facade. I am the most like disorganized. My husband has always been the one that has like run things behind the scenes. And so this just feels like a very natural, almost like just a natural progression of our lives. If that makes sense. Like yeah, he has to carry my keys if you know, we're out or like (laughs) my, my mother-in-law, his mom bought me this phone case where it can act as like a two-in-one of like a wallet and a phone. So I don't have to lose my license all the time. That's just how severe it is. So anyways, I knew that if I was running a business, like I knew I would want a team to, to be able to deal with the details that I just cannot with like taxes, for example, I just, I can't. So my husband being able to like have that, that's, that's already his area of expertise. And also he thrives with customer service. And so he was like, I would love to do your customer service. I'm like, Oh my gosh, really? Like, okay. So he has been doing that and it's, it's at first I mean, from the outside looking in, it can almost seem like he's working for me, but literally like my husband is like, he's carrying the team on his back. My husband actually is building out a course right now. I don't know when it'll launch, but because he's seen this and this has been kind of the, our biggest lesson is just like, he was building surfboards at the time and he was like, okay, so I can spend 13 hours and, you know, sell a surfboard for like this amount of dollars or I can answer, you know, this amount of emails for you like per day and get, you know, in five minutes, the results that I would get from like 13 hours building a surfboard. And so he just saw it as like a practical, logical decision at that point to like be able to help me run my business. And then what will be really cool once his course launches is be able to like manage both of our businesses from the same course platform. And, you know, we'll probably just continue to put more and more courses out as we move forward and just be able to like launch them out of the same, out of the same school.
1: Oh, cool. That's awesome. And Corey, you're speaking like, you know, speaking like an expert over here, but I, you know, I know last time we hung out, you had mentioned like being an entrepreneur was new to you. And like, there was a lot that you've obviously learned over the course of this time. and, And now you're talking about starting a new business and doing all these new things, you know, and I think a lot of people listening, the hardest thing for them to do, obviously with their passion is taking that in starting, right? Creating a brand is a really, really difficult thing and they think it's so big, it's so difficult, it's so hard. What advice, I'm curious, could you give to someone who's listening that knows what their passion is? Like you are very clear with, you know what your passion is. How Mm -hmm. can someone who knows what their passion is, what is a piece of advice you can give to them that would help them start today and start creating that brand?
0: Yeah, so this is where I look back and I'm like, okay, and I'm not saying, hey, go take Michelle's course, but I'm saying like taking her course, basically what it reveals to you is like, what are your insecurities? What are the things that hold you back? What are the things mm. that like come up? What are your triggers? And that's a like buzzword, but what are your triggers? And like essentially diving into a lot of like, who, who are you as a person? And like, what are the things that get in the way when you come across different life seasons? So the advice I would give now now that I'm able to look back on that and be like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Why I was so confident about my brand, about the launch, about everything Mm -hmm. that was coming out, because I truly had like done so much work to be able to identify like what a trigger was for me, or like what an insecurity was, or really just getting to the root of a lot of things, which no pun intended, because obviously I named my course freely rooted, but like, that's just truly like that was pivotal for me to do prior to building something out. And I remember Amy, uh, rebel nutrition, she interviewed me on her podcast about my course launch. And she was like, so tell me some of the insecurities that came up as you were building your course out. And I was like, honestly, there were, I don't want to be that person, but like there were none because I, and I don't think I even realized at the time in the interview the reason for that. But now I'm able to look back and I'm like, it's not that there were none. It's that I addressed them prior mm. to building it out. And that because there were some, I just needed yeah. to actually address those. They're so quick to judge ourselves whenever mm-hmm. things come up. And if we view ourselves with curiosity and our thoughts with curiosity versus like just, you know, wanting to be mad at ourselves even more for even having mm-hmm. those thoughts, we, right. can get, we can be a lot more productive with it. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And to sum up, probably a lot of what you said there, Corey, is whether you believe you can or you can't. You're you're right. Your belief in who you are and what you can do is is everything and good or bad. And you've even displayed it in your story here on this podcast. Like you talked about golf for a while, about how that was something that you knew you didn't want to do and to some degree were continuing to do it. And to be honest, like Corey, a lot of golfers out there are very calculated. They're very like organized. Everything is planned out. And if you would have stuck to that type of personality, which you obviously know now that you're not, things would look very different. The world is a much better place because of Corey and because of the Corey that you are now, right? The Corey that you actually are, you're changing this world. You're creating stuff that is truly influencing people. Logan's life has been changed through much of your work. And so the ripple effect of that decision of that belief that you had isn't just for you. It's for the world. And Uh, because of that decision, like you're impacting people in major ways. And so that of course is our goal here is that we want people to recognize exactly what you just said, to recognize their belief in themselves, to understand their passion and understand the value it brings not only you, but to this world, the world needs Corey, the real Corey, the world needs the real Brett, the real Logan and the real person that's listening today. And so super helpful information and appreciate, appreciate you giving that bit of advice.
0: I mean, that was, that was really such a compliment. I really appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Curious. One last question we always ask, and I'm actually going to have Logan ask the question because (laughs) it's her question, but we always ask this question to every guest and Logan, take it away.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So me jumping into passion to brand in the past, like six seven eight months when brett started it i was a little bit skeptical of like can you really just you know find your passion you know what your passion is can you start sharing it with the world and you know make your passion an actual brand is that a thing and now six eight months later i am totally on board and like tell everybody i'm like oh my gosh you love your dog make a page about your dog if you're passionate about this make a page about that so I like to ask, do you think it's still possible today for someone to take their passion and make it a brand?
0: hundred percent. And I think the best advice I was ever given on this topic is, I think it was years ago, back when I was even working at FSP or the sports performance clinic, I had heard someone say like, cause I'm, I'm a very multi-passionate person. And I think a lot of people listening to a podcast like this are probably also very multi-passionate. And maybe even can't really narrow down like what it is that they would like to turn into a brand. But I remember, yeah, I remember someone told me or I had had overheard it of what you create a brand out of is going to be the thing that you find yourself that you can't stop talking about for free or helping people for free about. Mm -hmm. And Mm. that really stuck with me because if you look at my own story, that is the perfect example of it. I worked my way up. I had this dream job and yet on a Friday afternoon, sitting at a coffee shop, I want to talk to a woman about this. And like, I'm over here working with like the top professional athletes in the country. And like, this is what I'm doing. But like, that's the beauty of being able to pivot. And Mm. I think for a while I was like, oh my gosh, did I waste, did I waste my time? Did I waste my money? I worked so hard in college to be able to land that job. Was that, did that go to waste? But I truly believe that those were the exact stepping stones. And then the people that I met from there and the, the players' wives and like everything that evolved from there was so meant to be. And so again, the curiosity conversation, again, if you look at your life with curiosity and just like how things have come into play and then ask yourself, like, what can I not stop talking to people about? And then also I am like a stay at home mom. I was able to do this during my kid's nap. And like, I think that that's another limitation people might have towards themselves yeah. when when thinking about can I turn a passion into a brand is like when do I find the time like I can't do that I can't do that I truly like had to make myself make the time and if you are doing the right well I don't really like to use the word right or wrong but like if you're doing the thing you're meant to do it will be seamless and it will be at ease for you to like make that time for yourself and you'll know that you're ready to do it if that makes sense and so right. no, yeah, I just a hundred percent, like even for my own story, just never imagined I would be where I'm at right now, even just a year and a half ago and things just mm-hmm. evolved. And it is literally from a result of just like taking that one thing that I couldn't stop mm. talking to people about and helping them for free.
1: Yeah, Yeah. 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 You've proven That's definitely so your story has proven that you can definitely do that. It's a super powerful story. And I know a lot of people are going to be Connected through it, Corey, and we were very thankful for your vulnerability and transparency, yeah. just sharing your story and, and being real with, with all the ups and downs because I'm it's, it's a journey. It's definitely not a sprint and you're still on it right now. And curious if you can kind of share for people that are interested in connecting with you, they liked your story, they maybe want to learn more or just, you know, connect, follow along. What's the best way for them to do that?
0: Yeah. So my Instagram is Corey Malloy, which is K-O-R-I-M-E-L-O-Y. And then after I launched a course, I put a podcast out with my co-host who launched a product at the exact same time. We kind of partnered together on our products. And so we were like, let's do a podcast. And we, I mean, you guys know how enjoyable podcasting can be. And so mm-hmm. that has been a tool that I love to send people to if they're like brand new to the topic of metabolic health. Cause we, Tried to take something that's, it can seem like a little bit over some people's heads if they're not ready for it, but we like really tried to like make it bite size and like as simple as possible. And so we created it to be listened to in chronological order, actually. And so it's called the Freely Readed Podcast. And if you go back to the very first episode and then work your way through, that is the best way to kind of get an intro. And then, you know, once you're diving into the podcast, like, there's a whole world that'll open up to you from there. We have like our free guides that are linked. We also have other people come on our show that you can get connected to. But I'd say, yeah, Instagram and, and the podcast are the best way to check out my content. And then if you have any any questions at any time, definitely just fill out my contact form versus shooting me a DM. That'll be the best way to get in contact with me.
1: Yeah. And we cool. highly, highly yes. recommend following Corey and Love your checking podcast. out the podcast. Yes. Yeah, the podcast is super insightful and you do a great job of of organizing and giving very relevant ways of very you know, simple. Yeah, yeah.
2: Simple ways to make so. it understandable. So
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, Corey, we, we appreciate you being on the show. We Appreciate your time today. Excited to see where you go from here and honored to have gotten to hear a bit of, bit of your story.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening
2: to this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, feel free to leave a review or comment letting us know what you enjoyed most. Be sure to click that follow button to not miss out on a new inspiring story each week. For more inspiration, feel free to follow us on Instagram at passiontobrand or check out our blog at passiontobrand.com. Until next time,
1: peace.